Hi everyone, uh, my name is Max Klaps and I'm a research director with IDC. I also happen to be the lead transportation analyst for IDC in Europe and I look with my crystal ball at what's on the horizon or how the horizon is shaping in terms of the mobility ecosystem. From OEMs to cities to transport operators and orchestrators, everybody is looking desperately for the silver bullet to figure out what the future of mobility will be. But mobility is what somebody calls a wicked problem, right? So maybe we're asking the wrong question. And the right question is not what the future of mobility will be, but what the future of mobility ought to be, or what future of mobility we would like to have and shape and envision. And to untangle that question, I have with me today, Eric Arplinger. It's a great pleasure to have you with us, Eric, and good morning to you. Great to be with you, Max. Uh, yes, it is a good morning. It's always a good morning when you can talk about your favorite problem and mobility. <laughs> great. So Eric is uh, a director of autonomous driving and mobility at, at Volvo, but uh, taking a pause and actually uh, is now a doctoral student of sustainable mobility uh, at Gothenburg University. Uh, and is studying how policymakers and car makers and transportation companies are um, envisioning the future of mobility and the future of livability in cities. But Eric, maybe you, you, you should introduce yourself a little bit better from <laughs> uh, what I just did. <laughs> no, no, certainly. I, I'm, uh, I've worked for Volvo Cars for uh, uh, 10 to 12 years. It's, it's hard to keep number. And I, I've worked in various positions, uh, both in terms of communication, product development, and, and innovation. But uh, I think the what the connected tissue between different roles and what I do now is that there there is a uh, a sense of a market change that is happening when it comes to the car. And um, as you said, it's a wicked problem because mobility absolutely touches every part of human life, not least in cities, but I would say pretty much everywhere. Um, and after 12 years inside industry, I still work for Volvo Cars. I, I wanted to look deeper at that problem. And uh, so I decided to, to move over to academia and, and see if I could get a, a new vantage point. And I think the, what brings me to this podcast and, and uh, what keeps me going in my research is that the, the thing about that smart cities, sustainable mobility is something that does not yet exist. And I, and I figured that out maybe too late. It, it's something that is taken <laughs> shape. It's not, it's not yet there. Um, and, and I really like to take that angle on it and try to understand that shaping process to better understand that market uh, that will be produced. So that that's very interesting, and and let me take it from there. You said you've explored it both from the academic perspective and the industry perspective, and I'm sure you have asked yourself, and you've been asked the question, what the future of mobility will be, right? Uh, <laughs> have you tried to answer that question before, uh, and and what happened with that? Well, I, I think in general, we all want to know what's next, right? We, we, we want to know what the future is. 
And it would be great if we could have that answer. But when I talk about futures, or I, I like to talk about it in terms of markets, but in, absolutely it is futures. It is that it's not a fixed destination. It, it's something that can be shaped. It's not predetermined, but shaped by our actions. But even more, and when we talk about this, when we talk about sustainable mobility, we also have to understand that our actions are shaped by our idea, our vision and imaginaries of the future. So what's interesting when we talk about this is that our idea about what will come is also what produces what will come, right? So that, that's why I think future is interesting and the future of mobility is interesting to look at. And for a long time, I think when we, when we talk about markets and we hear this every day, we hear it in the news, we talk about markets that something that is a destination, a, a fixed point. So all we have to do is create that perfect strategy and we will we will get there. But if, if the market is instead shaped, then we have to think about the actions that will shape it rather than the, that one fixed point. Because there might be many markets, there might be many futures. Uh, and, and indeed, I think that's what's happening right now when it comes to the future of mobility. It's, it's being shaped, but has not taken shape. Your point about multiple future is something that I would like to explore a little bit further, right? I, I remember I was having a conversation a year or so ago with uh, a transportation operator, public transit agency in Asia-Pac, and they also have uh, some operations in Europe, right? And then when they were thinking of uh, scenario planning, they were not necessarily thinking 10 or 20 years out. They were thinking of different scenarios because providing public transit in Asia is different than providing public transit in, in Stockholm, for instance, or in Gothenburg, Indeed. where you're Indeed. sitting today, right? So that is that what you're thinking of when you're talking about different futures? Uh, well, I, I will say, <laughs> maybe to track back, um, I don't think there is only one present of mobility either. I think there's multiple presents. To, to your point about Asia and Europe, uh, e even between different places in Europe, I don't think we have one reality of mobility. It's not just one system. We have many at the moment. And I think that that's fair to say about the future as well, that just as we don't have one pr present, we have many futures of mobility. But I think that... <laughs> What particularly that we uh, what makes it tricksy right now is that we have had fairly stable market conditions for overall when it comes to mobility for what I would say 70, 80 years until somewhere, you know, 50s, 60s. Uh, and it is a it is a system of automobility that has had an extraordinary impact on cities and how we think about cities. Uh, we have had um, technology to organize our thinking around. And we have the, the industry and the infrastructure to prove that. We even have political ideals to support that. You know, uh, the, the ideas of, of freedom and so on that is utterly connected to the car. It's a very powerful object. And I don't think that we, I think we lost that, um, that clear vision of the future because of the many things that are happening around us when it, when it comes to environmental sustainability, when it comes to uh, social sustainability, that we have to rethink. And, and that impacts uh, the ideas about the future so that it's not so certain anymore. So those favorable, stable market conditions are starting to go away and something needs to replace them. So the market conditions and the market perspective that will be shaping the futures 
come yeah. also from different directions, right? There are different actors in this ecosystem. And that's that's why we call it a wicked problem, partially, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, because it's, it's not one decision maker that you can go uh, to and he or she pushes a button and, and decides how to shape the future. So what do you see emerging in terms of collectively uh, shaping these futures? And you rightly say, said it, that the current situation, the present, is still very much car-centric. I was looking at um, the DG Move, uh, the European Commission study on new mobility patterns that came out in December. And yeah, I know it. even in Europe, the car is the predominant mode of transport, right? Let alone in other geographies. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't, I, I mean, I, I work for an automaker. I don't see that, uh, I, I don't see that as a positive or a negative. What, what, what I see is that the car is an object through which we can organize our thinking. We can organize and come up with uh, where we live, where we shop, uh, where, where kids should be, how we get to work. It's an, it, it is an object where, that really can translate itself into so uh, many aspects of our social lives. So you could start with the object and then come up with thinking on how you would solve, uh, solve problems. What I think we see now, though, is that a different, a different starting point. And it is that th what you said in your introduction, really, that um, cities are asking the question of how should we live our lives or how, how life ought to be. Uh, and, and that means that there are individual problems that come into place or many different problems that come into place because we don't have the same geography. We don't have the same climate. We don't have the same uh, uh, culture, political system or even ideology. The states of economy are different. The states of demographics are different. And, and I think that speaks to that we are going to many different systems of mobility rather than one dominant one. Just one thought that came to mind, and you were speaking about this relationship between the future way we live and we move and the object itself, right? So there, there's probably a continuous feedback loop now that we are at this inflection point uh, between the object and the way we want to use that object, right? The object, the car itself, as you said, was pretty stable for that 70 or 80 years. Yes. But there will be some rethinking of the object itself as we go through that iterative process, I expect. <laughs> Right. Indeed. If we start to look at the technologies that are discussed, um, I, I mean, it doesn't matter what uh, trade show we go to or what uh, industry report we, we read, we will read about autonomous mobility, shared mobility, electric mobility, micro mobility. Yeah. And each of, I would say that each of those uh, carry fairly strong narratives. They all have uh, suggestions of how we should live our lives. I think what's complicated is that we also say that it's a mix between these that have to come into play. And mixing those different narratives today is not an easy task. It's not a cohesive whole that, that perfectly blends so that I can understand how, should, uh, how I should live my life. But I think also that they don't quite fit with what's coming out of cities thinking. Uh, when we look at these concepts of, you know, Barcelona superblocks or the, uh, the uh, Paris 15-minute city and the many iterations that you have both in Germany and, and, uh, and in North America of the 15-minute of the city, that narrative and what we hear from these different technologies, they don't fit together. Uh, th th there, there needs to be 
thinking that brings the technological narrative and the social narrative much closer together. Yeah, you you, you mentioned micromobility. I was looking the other day, um, the city of Paris and the mayor are considering a public vote to ban free floating um, yes. scooter services, right? Yeah. So there, there are going to be bumps on the road because precisely because of that need to create a collective understanding, a dynamic uh, story and narrative that will shape over time. So we probably make a leap forward and two step back and, and so forth and so on in the process. Yeah, and, but, but I mean, I, when I look at markets and, and, uh, and my, uh, my thinking is obviously inspired by the academia at this point, and when, when I look at how a markets take shape, I use a simple model in my head. I, I think that it's shaped by three uh, main main practices, you could say. One is the basic exchange to what, what is sold, produced, uh, and then bought, consequently. Um, and I think about that as exchange. You, you have um, norms that are set both uh, as objective within companies, but certainly also by, by institutions in, same, in terms of legislation. And then finally, you have the representations of the market. And what if you translate that into what we had of the, you know, what I call the system of automobility, uh, that is a, we had a representation that really could guide the norms. We had a representation of what mobility is, so you could understand the types of legislation that you needed, both in terms of, you know, roads and parkings and housing, uh, even, even into safety. And there was also an idea that really could guide exchange, what should be produced and what should be bought. I think today that, Many are struggling in terms of what type of legislation should you put in cities to support a future of mobility. And it's so hard to take decisions when you don't have a clear vision of where you're going. So, of course, there are many cities that are either putting in more bikes or taking away bikes. They are supporting free floating or not supporting. But I think the, the reason that this decision making is so hard is currently it's just reactive to what they see on the street. It's not guided by vision. Uh, and I think that's really the problem that we that we need to start to to go after. There are so many powerful technologies out there, power, technologies that can certainly solve how we should live our lives. But you need to connect them in a narrative to guide different decisions. Well, Eric, as we said at the beginning, it's a wicked problem. So <laughs> I, I'm not sure you and I have found a new uh, exchange norms and representation for the future of mobility and living in a city, but I'm certainly glad we've spoken about it and provided some food for thought for other people. Uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation with you when we meet at the next Smart City Expo or whatever occasion happens to be, but thank you very much for taking the time today to exchange on this very important topic. Thank you so much, Max. I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to know more about IDC research on transportation and the future of mobility and the future of life in cities, please follow up on social media and visit our website. Thank you, everyone.